What's going on, everybody? This is Randall Barnes, the host of Pulse Radio. And we have some breaking media news that just came out this afternoon, but I've just become privy to it a few minutes ago. Now, we already know Friday is coming up, and that's normally NBA Friday on ESPN. And the slate of games was supposed to be at 7.30, the 76ers versus the Hawks. And at 10 o'clock, it was supposed to be the Lakers and the Clippers. Well, they changed out the Lakers and Clippers game for the Warriors and the Suns part two. It was an epic matchup on TNT on Tuesday where the Suns pulled out the win. Devin Booker went out with an injury. Steph had honestly one of the worst games of his career, but it was still rather close and it was a really high paced game and a really great defensive battle. It was odd to me that even though the, the Lakers and the Clippers, that's a rivalry that they've been trying to build up. Like Chris Paul and Steph have a rivalry as well that spans playoff series. Like Chris has sent Steph home, Steph has sent Chris home, and then Steph Curry is blazing an MVP trail, and the Suns have been streaking. They're at 17 straight trying to trying to go for 18 tonight, and then 19 if they beat the Warriors on tomorrow. So it makes perfect sense, but first and foremost, can I just say a swap out like this, especially last minute, we never see this. And I believe Paul George is going to be playing. Of course, Kawhi is out. LeBron is going to be out with COVID protocol. You still have Russell Westbrook and Anthony Davis. But good, good movie, ESPN. I'm not going to lie to you. I have League Pass, so it doesn't really affect me because I can watch whichever one. I can watch both of them at the same time, although I'm not that great at that. I'm not great at watching two things at once. It's either one game I'm really focused on, the other game I might glance at during a commercial break. But I think this is the best move. The Warriors and the Clippers, I think this very well could be a Western Conference Finals matchup. So with LeBron out, the Clippers have been playing, they've been struggling a little bit. They've not been playing bad ball, but they've been struggling a bit. Although Paul George and Reggie Jackson, they always can't come to play. But I think that that's a great move. But it brings up this that I talked about in the podcast a few weeks ago. If y'all are going to swap out this major market Lakers versus Clippers game that y'all build up as the battle for LA. Why did y'all not switch out that horrible Pistons versus Rockets matchup when you had Luka playing the Bulls, the Hornets playing the Grizzlies, you had Ja versus LaMelo. Like you had multiple great games on that night, the same time as as the, the Rockets and the Pistons. You decided to go for the old, these are the top rookies angle instead of going for a matchup we want to see, and the fact that y'all barely put the Bulls on national TV anyway. Yeah, I think ESPN got it right. I think that they should do that more often. Swap out some of these games, man. If it's big injuries to a star player, like, as a matter of fact, let's do this, all right? Let me do this. Why don't you swap out the Pelicans games if Zion Williamson is not going to play? It's better games that happen in that prime time, 10 o'clock, 10.30 hour, it's other matchups that we want to see. Like, just swap out those games. I love Brandon Ingram. Jonas Valanciunas actually just turned up on the Clippers this week. Hit like seven three-pointers before the half was over, then the first half. But if Zion isn't playing, Zion is your draw, why don't you just switch out that matchup and then give us something better that's on the schedule? Y'all are setting a precedent. Y'all moved off the Lakers and the Clippers for the Suns and the Warriors, which is a better matchup, and Steph is a draw as well. And then the Suns were just in the NBA Finals. But I'm just saying, maybe y'all should make this more of a practice and augment the games that you show 
depending on what's going on in the circumstance around the team and also what the people want to see. I'm just saying. But let's get to the show. Tap, tap, tap in. You're listening to Pulse Radio with Randall and Shelby, the heart of the culture. You're listening to Pulse Radio. going on everybody this is randall barnes the host of pulse radio in the building for another special edition of pulse sports on today we are nearing the end of the week a lot of amazing basketball that has been played and we have to talk about it man we're getting closer and closer to christmas and if you did not know christmas is my birthday so if you're listening to this podcast right now i need you to show me love on christmas Turn the big 2525 man been here half of what not half quarter of a century not half quarter of a century man so i need y'all to show me love man but we're not gonna be here too long let's just get into some really brief basketball topics on today so i was off for thanksgiving on last week i had to get that rest and it's so funny because people love basketball and they don't want to say they love basketball because sports has become a political tool. A lot of folks protest and say, oh, I don't like basketball because they don't like the antics of what they consider antics of the players. They don't like the fact that the players have started to speak up more for human rights issues and about Black Lives Matter and other issues of that sort. They don't really like that, right? So in the regards of basketball and football, It's an age-old debate. It's an age-old topic. And during Thanksgiving, mind you, the NBA stars were enjoying their Thanksgiving with their families minding their business. Someone brought up the truth that the NBA Christmas slate of games, those marquee matchups, are way better than the NFL's tired games. And it caused a big old discussion because you had your folks that don't like basketball, like, no, the NFL is better. And a lot of the folks that just don't like the players, like LeBron James, I haven't watched the NBA since Michael Jordan. When it's like, well, sir, you have no place in this discussion. As people that watch both, and I'm, I'm not the biggest NFL fan. I mean, I can I can talk about it. Ariel and I, you know, we toss around topics and discussions every now and then, especially when we were doing the joint episodes more, more frequently as the year started before basketball kicked back off. You know, I, I, I can hold my own, but I'm not an NFL fanatic like that. So, of course, for me, watching the game, I gravitate more towards basketball because it's fast-paced. You know, the shots and, you know, the, the three-pointers, the passing, the scheme of the defense. Like, I really love basketball, the flow, the fact that it's almost like they're, they're superheroes on the court. They just affect the game just being themselves in their skills. It's not like, hey, we got to line up in, in a huddle. The game is slow and methodical. It can be slow and methodical. It can also be really fast-paced. When it comes to football, that you can say the same thing for football, but I don't really see it. But even football fans had to agree 
The NFL Thanksgiving does not stack up to Christmas for one sole reason. The reason why it does not stack up is because the NFL does not have marquee games on the schedule on Thursdays for Thanksgiving. I mean, let's go through what the NFL was on this Thanksgiving. The Bears and the Lions played. The Bears defeated the Lions 16 to 14. And then the Bills crushed the Saints 31 to 6. I'm trying to figure out what is so exciting about that. Now, granted, CBS had an amazing game. The Raiders defeated the Cowboys. The Cowboys are America's team. They command big ratings. Tony Romo, hand clap for Tony Romo. Hand clap for Tony Romo. Tony Romo is one of the best in the business. He's one of the best sports commentators, color commentators in the business. He breaks down football so well. It's honestly hard to think of anyone in the other four major sports that do it as well as him, even on the basketball side. Because as a former quarterback, he knows his defensive coverages. He knows the offensive coverages. And sometimes he can predict the play that's about to happen before it happens. So having the game commentated by him, a pretty back-and-forth game. The Raiders played a good game. They were able to edge out over the Cowboys. It was a lot of miscues and dumb plays from the Cowboys. That was fun to look at. But when I look at the NBA schedule for what's happening on my birthday, on Christmas, you start off with the Hawks and the Knicks. Trey Young is returning to Madison Square Garden for the first time since he sent the Knicks home on last year. And then the Hawks just lost to the Knicks on Saturday. Then the Celtics and the Bucks, Giannis versus Tatum and Brown. Hopefully by that time, the Celtics start to get it rolling because they've been struggling to start the year. Then the Warriors and the Suns are the two best teams in basketball, and they just played on Tuesday a pretty great game. Devin Booker got injured. The Warriors were still in it until the end when the Suns get in clutch time. Chris Paul starts hitting mid-range jumpers, and then they just start effortlessly scoring just to push the game away from their opponent. And it's like they don't even break a sweat. They don't even try. They just slow the game down because Chris is so such a master at pace. They're going to play a rubber match. We're going to see what happens on tomorrow when the Warriors and Suns play for the second time this week. But that very well could be a rubber match. Maybe the Warriors end the streak on tomorrow, and then Christmas is now they run it back. 1-1. Now Christmas is that showdown. That very well could be the best game on Christmas Day. Then you have the Nets and the Lakers, who, let's be honest, like the Lakers have been struggling The Nets are starting to catch their stride. James Harden on Tuesday had a really great game. He sort of returned to James Harden form, even though he still is sort of starting to look old and out of his prime. But step back three-pointers, he got like, what, 10 free-throw attempts, hit nine of them. He was passing the ball well. I think James, if he continues this flow, is going to get back into his his, his essence of what he was in Houston. And he's going to be able to really help the Nets. But... I don't know if this is going to be a true finals matchup. You know, I I, I don't know if, it, if it's going to really be that. And primarily the reason why is because the Lakers have been struggling. LeBron is out with, with COVID. LeBron got COVID, y'all. That, 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 that really sent me, to be 100% honest. LeBron is out with COVID. And then, you know, you have what? Joe Harris is out. I think Joe Harris might miss the Christmas game. And they just took Blake Griffin out the rotation. So this might be a finals preview. Who knows? Maybe both the teams heat up as we move into the playoffs. But 
it's the most anticipated game. I can expect high ratings, and it's going to be on in primetime. And then we round out the night with the Mavericks versus the Jazz, like sort of a new school stars battle, Luka versus Donovan Mitchell, and the Jazz, who have been perennial number one contenders in the Western Conference, even though they've never made it to the, to the Western Conference Finals in this ideation of the team. And then Luka is the new star. A lot of folks are crying Luka as the next guy to sort of take LeBron's mantle of the all-around, you know, jack-of-all-trades player that can pass the ball, that can score. So these are the games you get with the NBA. And I know you get more of them because the NBA games tend to be shorter because it's more fast-paced. But it doesn't compare. No one wants to see the Lions who haven't won a game since Obama was president, it seems like. No one wants to see the Lions play on Thanksgiving. Because seeing them play, seeing the football that they play makes me want to throw up my dinner at this point. Like, no one wants to see that. And then the Bills and the Saints, you thought that would be a good one because the Saints have been playing pretty well. And the Bills have actually been struggling. But it wasn't. Why can't I remember one football's um one football uh Thanksgiving? We had the Falcons and the Saints. That was pretty interesting. The Falcons lost, and that was in a Falcons house with a lot of Falcons fans. Pretty funny. But how many games do you get like that when it comes to football Thanksgiving? It's rather boring, rather tame, but with basketball, you get matchups. We haven't seen the Lakers and the Nets match up with Kevin Durant and his big three versus LeBron and his big three given that they're all healthy because you never know with COVID and how old they've gotten. Hawks and Knicks, Trey Young returning to Madison Square Garden, first time since the playoffs. Like, this is the moments, these are the moments that the NBA creates for Christmas. That's why it's important. That's why it's special. That's why they're marquee matchups. So I just don't understand how you can give an argument that the NFL Thanksgiving slate of games is better then the NBA slate of what one, two, three, four, five, six games that are box office with big stars. And the, the I'm telling you what, how they messed up. They messed up because I would love to have seen the Heat get a game. I would love to have seen the Bulls, especially how they're currently constructed. They're very entertaining. I would have loved to see possibly the Bulls have gotten a game. You know? The Clippers have been very interesting considering, but they don't have Kawhi Leonard, so I get it. I get why, you know, they're not going to put them on Christmas. But it's a lot of exciting things. I think the Hornets are due for one if they keep rolling. I think the Hornets are due for a Christmas game because those games just typically are fun. You typically have the best teams and the best players that are squaring off against each other at this time. With the NBA Christmas, you had Kobe and Shaq. They played for the first time against each other after the trade in 2004. You had LeBron versus Tracy McGrady. That was actually a Christmas Day classic because LeBron turned up, but Tracy McGrady showed LeBron, hey, listen, you good, but you're not ready yet. That was actually a really great game. You had the Heat versus the Lakers, who we all thought was going to be a finals preview when you had LeBron in the big three and then Kobe coming off that championship in 2010. Like, we thought that that was going to be the finals preview, and we all were watching that game. And then let's not forget the times we thought Kobe and LeBron, when LeBron was in Cleveland, that they were going to match up in 2009 to 2010, and they squared off on, on Christmas. And that was the game to watch. So the NBA prioritizes Christmas Day because like, that's really almost the most important day of the season, minus the playoffs and the NBA Finals. 
that's like the most important moment of the season because that's like when the season finally gets into full swing and people actually start to try because it seems like James Harden and a lot of the, a lot of these other players just aren't trying until and until football until the NFL have like the Chiefs and the Buccaneers um the 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 Super Bowl rematch until you have like rivalry games like maybe the Falcons and the Saints again or other rivalries in you know the NFL maybe you could have put the Patriots and the Buccaneers on Thanksgiving had it where now the Patriots are in stride the Buccaneers have been in stride but now they're sort of starting to, to even out a bit put Tom Brady back in Gillette Stadium on Thanksgiving that would be the equivalent and I got to think of a third game because I'm not an NFL guy but that would be the equivalent of marquee matchups that you don't want to miss on Thanksgiving. But sorry, the NFL pairs in comparison to the NBA with that. The ratings numbers for the NFL are going to always be better. But as far as marquee matchups and marquee moments and the thing that all these leagues and businesses care about, which is social media mentions, dude, the NBA is going to always outperform the NFL because they know how to put their stars in a situation to show out and create moments. It's just the truth. All right, so let's talk about the game and everything that's been going on. So first and foremost, um, we're wishing Ja Morant well. Uh, ja Morant played against the Hawks on last week um, on, I believe that was a, a Thursday game or Friday game. And um, it was a non-contact injury. Uh, he was being guarded by, I believe that was um, John Collins. And he just all of a sudden just hopped up, grabbed his left ankle. Um, and it's actually a left ankle sprain. So uh, that was very sudden. We all were scared because we remember what happened with Kevin Durant in the finals back in 2019, and really even before that, the playoffs. Like that non-contact injury, while all of a sudden he thought that, you know, someone kicked him, and it was actually like, you know, I think well, it was like an, like an Achilles injury, and then in the finals, if you look at that, at that video, we literally saw his Achilles pop. So when it comes to you know, a John Morant that has like a Derrick Rose type of skill set. And we saw how Derrick Rose's career, his career trajectory changed in 2012 against the 76ers. I watched that game live. Like I saw that injury live, you know? So when I see players go up and especially players that play like John Morant and Anthony Edwards, I get so nervous. I'm like, play with some control. You don't have to dunk on every person. Don't try to put on a show for social media. And I get that sometimes it's like an out-of-body experience. You're just hooping. But, like, dude, like, your team needs you. Ja, you are the star. It's your third year, but you are the star. And to be honest, I know injuries have plagued Zion Williamson, but Ja is showing more upside than Zion, even when they were playing. Even though Zion was more physically imposing, Ja was able to get his team into the playoffs being the Warriors, and he took a game off the the, um, the Jazz. So Zion has yet to get his team into the playoffs primarily because of injury, you know? So, and he was in the play-in game his first year against the Blazers. Could have won that game, but Dame, Dame and them pulled it out. So it, it always scares me when I see those super explosive guys. They go up and they get nicked up. They go down. And especially when they try, they try to dunk on somebody, I'm like, all it takes is an awkward fall on your ankle. It takes, you know, you going down wrong like how Paul George did. And, you know, with Team USA a few years ago, and that could alter your career. So, you know, it just, it always scares me. But the fact that Ja dodged that bullet is great. Ja is an amazing player. He's needed in the, in the, this game. 
And he's another player. We're talking about Christmas games. Jaw's going to have a lot of Christmas games in the future. I think that what you're going to see next year, when you look at the schedule, you're going to see Ja Morant get way more games. He's going to see the Bulls get more national games. You're going to see Ja and the Grizzlies get more national games. Because it's just insane that, you know, we have all this talent and a lot of this talent that you're seeing and hearing about on a nightly basis, some folks don't have League Pass. Some folks don't want League Pass. Some folks rely on ESPN and TNT and ABC and even NBA TV to see teams that are outside of their market. So hopefully Ja gets that opportunity in that moment soon, you know, because he is a box office and he hopefully comes back in a week or so from that ankle sprain and he comes back and performs like he never left. Um, the Hawks have had a seven-game win streak snapped against the Knicks. The Knicks won on Saturday, 99-90. to 90. Uh, The Hawks have been playing pretty well. I think that the Knicks needed that win. Uh, but I'm more excited about Trey Young going back to Madison Square Garden. That is going to be insane. I think what the Hawks are doing is they're starting to now catch their stride. And they're, they've started beating teams that they're supposed to beat. I think that um, their win against the Bucks, that was a double-digit win a couple weeks ago, that was impressive. I think that the win over the Hornets, the Hornets have been doing well this year, also, although they've been sort of up and down. They've still been a top offense in the NBA. That was impressive. And they're beating the teams that they're supposed to. All right? So I think that the Hawks are going to start to middle themselves in the pack. I think they're going to rise up to that number four seed. I think they're going to stay out of the play-in tournament. I don't know about the Knicks, though. The Knicks have not been looking good, and primarily they're having rotation issues. They took Kimba Walker out the rotation, which baffled me. It, it, it completely baffled me when they took um, Kimba Walker out that rotation. Because, like, why? Like, Kimba Walker and Evan Fournier was your answer to your lack of offense. Like, Derrick Rose can score. Julius Randle has been a very improved player, and he's become more of a point forward. But look at how Julius produced in that first playoff game against the Hawks on last year. What you lacked was scoring and what the Hawks had a surplus of with Trey Young, Bogdan Bogdanovich, Cam Reddish. Like what they had in surplus with Danilo Gallinari, they had shooting and they had scoring. So your answer was you bring in Kimball Walker, you bring in Evan Fournier. And Evan Fournier is getting minutes, but you take Kimball Walker out the rotation because you want to play a more switch-heavy defense. And, 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 and Alec Burks on Tuesday against the Nets, he did pretty well. Like, you know, they had some good steals. But I just believe that the I think the Knicks are prime for a superstar. I think what the Knicks really need, the Knicks need a, a superstar wing to pair alongside Julius Randle. And I'm not talking about no Zion Williamson-Julius Randle pairing. I'm talking about a really good small forward that can unlock the game, almost like a Carmelo, LeBron type of, type of player or even like a Dame Lillard-type point guard that can score and pass the ball, that has a level of intensity, I think that that's really what they need, and they're going to be at the top of the East. Because I like the way that the Knicks are constructed. I think that injuries are playing a part. I think the way that Tom Thibodeau coaches, with him being so focused on the defensive end, I think that that is precluding them from really getting wins. But their game against the Nets wasn't bad. Like James Harden showed up. Kevin Durant started off pretty rough. He had like six points going into halftime on Tuesday. But, you know, when you look at the Knicks, the Knicks still hung around. They only, they only lost by two points. The Nets won 112 to 110. I think that what Tom Thibodeau has to do 
is he has to figure out, yeah, defense is important, but we have to score the ball. Yeah, we want to preclude the other team from scoring, but it's a lot of high-octane scoring offenses. Have they played the Warriors yet? Like, yeah, the Warriors, that are some beasts. You know, I think they did well against LaMelo and the Hornets, but the Hornets won that last one a couple Fridays ago, so they won that one. So, like, defense is important, and I'm a defensive guy. I love me some good defense, some boxing one, some two-three zone, three-two zone. Like, I love those type of defenses, one-three-run zones. Like, I, I love the zone defenses and, and forcing your perimeter players to adjust and pass the ball around because it makes for beautiful basketball and beautiful play sequences. But the Knicks have to unlock their scoring. That's why taking Kemba out the rotation, although I sort of do understand you want to play a more switch-heavy defense, I don't know if that's going to bode well for you. And maybe you need to find a point guard or a scoring forward that can defend but can also score and be a playmaker because Kemba's a playmaker. Even though he's declined with injuries, he's not the same guy we saw with the Hornets. He's still a baller. So we have to put that into consideration. Uh, but the Suns and the Warriors was a really good game, man. Suns and the Warriors. Like, what I want to do with this podcast is I want to talk about teams that don't often get talked about. And because the Lakers take up so much oxygen and you have the Brooklyn Nets, even with us not really talking about Kyrie Irving, we talk about Kevin Durant and James Harden has been stinking up the place. But the Suns and the Warriors, that game was so pure. As a basketball fan, I really enjoyed that game. Even when Devin Booker went out, like I knew the Suns were still in it. You want to know the reason why? It's because they had Chris Paul. The Suns won against the Warriors because of what? Because of defense, and they had a balanced offensive attack. You have Chris Paul that can control the pace of the game, that can get his guys open. DeAndre Aiden had 24 points and 11 rebounds. He took advantage of the Warriors not having a true big man that can really lock him down, and he dominated. Chris Paul was able to get the game out of reach with the mid-range jumpers and him performing in clutch time. And Mikael Bridges, I think at this point, because I, I forgot who said he should be an all-star, I don't know if I want to go that far, but I do understand what um, that quote was saying in defensive players should get that recognition. But at the same time, what I do think about Mikael Bridges, he should be top three defensive player of the year. And I think he should make all defensive first team. If he continues to play like this going into the rest of the year, as we end off the regular season, I personally believe that Mikael Bridges should be defensive player of the year. And I know oftentimes when you look at that defensive player of the year award, it is a clear bias. It is a huge bias because they normally like to give it to the guys that defend down low, that they'll give it to like a Draymond Green, that Draymond Green is a power forward. He know he can do both, but he normally stays on the big man. They'll give, it, they'll give it to like a Kawhi Leonard every now and then. But remember, LeBron was playing amazing defense with the Heat and that year, they gave it to Mark Gasol. He's a big man that was getting blocks and locking down the paint. So normally, those defensive players of the year, typically the wings don't get no love. So hopefully, Mikel Bridges can get that love because the reason why the Suns have won 17 straight games is because he's locking down the perimeter. He's playing with effort. He's getting the steals and deflections, getting out on the fast break, and getting easy transition buckets. Look at that game against the Nets. 
a lot of the reason why the Suns dominated the Nets for, for the most part of that game, and then they were able to contain the Nets from having a huge comeback, was because of Mikael Bridges. It might not show up in the stat sheet. It might not show up, and and, and that's all well and good because I know that we look at stats and, and, and we and we try to, to to tell the story. Like for example, on Tuesday night, Mikael Bridges had two points. He shot one of four from the field. Didn't even attempt a three pointer or a free throw. But he had four steals. He had one block. It's certain stuff he's doing that isn't isn't shown on the stat sheet that shows you that this guy's a baller. Because he's, he's playing his role, doing what he needs to do, and then Devin Booker, and then you have Chris Paul, and even DeAndre Aiden will handle the rest. The Suns are a complete team, and I think that they're what we need in this day and age. Because I just think, and, and I could be totally wrong, the Nets and the Lakers could end up being the finals. We'll all be happy to get the finals that we want. But... What I want sneakily, what I'm putting on my Christmas slash birthday list is I want the good teams to prevail. I I love the fact that the blue-collar teams like Giannis beat the super team in Brooklyn, although James Harden had a great two-hamstring injury, and then Kevin Durant was playing by himself, Kyrie was injured. Like, I, I want, like, the Jazz to succeed. I want the Suns to succeed. I sort of want the Warriors to succeed. I know that they are in direct competition with LeBron and the Lakers and Russ and them in L.A., in California. If L.A., you have Golden State, so in California, they're rivals to that certain degree. But the Warriors, especially post-KD, they play the right way as a team. And to be honest, that's why Kevin Durant fits so well because the Warriors were already an established team. Now you add one of the greatest scorers of all time. It just unlocks the possibilities. So that's really what I, I would love to see. The Heat on the East, they're a really well-constructed team. I think that the Bulls have been playing incredibly well, and I believe that they're constructed well. So I would love to see those teams succeed. But the Suns are a testament to where I believe the league is going, and I believe that what you're going to see from the league moving forward with the surplus of talent and also the way that three-pointers are are, are, are more valuable in this offense. People play a more a, a more spacey offense. They spread out their players more. I, and, and, and zone is really heavy and, and apparent. I believe that how you win, you win with a team that's constructed based around the strength of the star players and also a team that has a good bench that I can let Chris Paul get rest. I can bring campaign in. I can alternate Devin Booker and Chris Paul on the floor. And I know that I'm not going to lose the league lead because I have ballers on my bench that can make it happen. I believe that the Nets will get in three stars and, and then you guys on vet minimums, like your former stars, like your Blake Griffins, your LaMarcus Aldridge's, your Paul Millsaps. LaMarcus Aldridge is really the only guy that's been balling that's been like the vet minimum guy. Patty Mills has been doing good too, but I knew he would. But like your vet minimum guy, LaMarcus Aldridge is the only one that really has been showing anything. Now, now he's starting because Claxton isn't back. And they took Blake Griffin out the rotation. I just don't think that at this point, that's good. I don't think that's going to work. And then on, on, on the flip side with, with the Lakers, the roster is not the issue. I listen heavily to Lakers media. Like the fans that have podcasts and do the Twitter spaces, the Lakers, quite honestly, are the most intelligent 
group of basketball fans that I have ever seen in my life. And I have to give him a hand clap for that. Have to. Shout out to all the Lakers fans. Because the Lakers fans know the game. And they watch the game and they are not afraid to call out their team. And it makes so much sense. Sometimes if they fire Frank Vogel, at this point, I think they should make history and hire a fan. Because the fans know what they're talking about. Shout out to the State of the Lakers podcast because after every Lakers game, I listen to them. And the way that that Jason and Rod break down the game, and I've learned so much just listening to them. Like, hey, I didn't think about it like that. I didn't think about, you know, the the, the point of attack defense on a pick and roll, like attacking, you know, like instead of the role player, attack, like attacking the guard that's initiating the pick and roll. Like, I didn't think about that. I didn't think about the level of effort and basketball character. I didn't think about that. The Lakers fans are incredibly intelligent, and we have to put some respect on them, right? I don't like I personally believe that the construction of the Lakers roster is a bit better than the construction of the Nets roster because you have more functionally great players that I believe can play their role and come off and really start to fill up the stat sheet and give like the star players rest like Carmelo. I believe Kendrick Nunn is going to be a really dope player coming off the bench when Trevor Ariza comes back. I believe that you can plug them into the starting lineup and on some nights and then you can put AD at the five. But I don't, I don't think the roster is the big issue. But the construction of your three stars, Russell Westbrook's getting $41 million, and then you have your vet minimum guys. I, I just think that we're leaving that era. I think that that era needs to be left in 2000, the 2010s. You had the, you had the Celtics in 2008, but they only won one championship. The Lakers with a better constructed team around Kobe, they were not a super team. They beat the Magic. They then beat the Celtics. And remember, the Celtics got injured. They they lose Kevin Garnett. They lose to, to, to the Magic, and then the Magic go on to play the Lakers. And notice that when Kobe and those Lakers had Dwight Howard and Steve Nash, they went nowhere. As a matter of fact, I think they got swept out the playoffs. Even the Heat weren't as successful as we thought they would be. The only reason why Kevin Durant and the Warriors really truly worked out was because you're putting Kevin Durant, like I said, you're putting Kevin Durant on an already established team. So I believe that that's the reason why it worked out. Plug Kevin Durant, anyone on an established team, he's going to find his way, especially on a team that prioritizes ball movement. And then Kevin Durant is in a depth three-point shooter. He can get any shot on the floor. So if you need a shot, ball moving ain't working, like they're zoning up, and then, you know, the defense, like Steph might not be knocking down threes that night. Clay's never had really an off night. But it's like the, the threes ain't falling. You put the ball in Kevin Durant's hands, he goes ISO, gets the bucket. It worked out perfectly because Kevin Durant fit perfectly in that system. He wasn't the deviation of the system. Russell Westbrook, has played well for the Lakers. I just really don't believe in super teams, but although I'm still rooting for the Lakers, I just don't believe in super teams, but I won't be upset if the Lakers were to win the championship. But I think that we're a long ways away from that. LeBron going out with COVID protocol. We found out about that on Tuesday. Uh, hopefully we're going to find out soon if he does come back. Um, But man, that hurt. <laughs> That hurt. And I was like, I wonder if LeBron will get caught with COVID. Like, I wonder if that'll happen. And, yo, that hurt my soul because it's like, first and foremost, 
COVID is still a thing. Like even though, and, and we have the, the Omicron variant, they call it the Omarion variant on social media. COVID is still a thing and it's affecting sports. And granted on Tuesday, the Lakers beat the Kings, but I did not like the effort that I saw in the first and second quarter. And I agree with the Lakers fans that are prevalent on Twitter and on these podcasts, the media talking about the roster being the issue. That's not the real issue. The real issue is effort and Frank Vogel putting together lineups that work. You take DeAndre Jordan off the floor, you go up by 20. You put him back on the floor, you put him in, in, in switches, he's not even getting rebounds, and you end up losing. I am someone that vociferously defends Avery Bradley. I think Avery Bradley was a great pickup. He was, he was great on that 2020 team, although he did not go to the bubble and win the championship with the Lakers, Avery Bradley is a great perimeter defender. He can knock down a shot. I, I'm, just, I'm with you on DeAndre Jordan. DeAndre Jordan should not have been signed. He should not be on this roster. It was another guy that was that was available that they should have signed. It was another guy, but they ended up signing DeAndre Jordan. I think I forgot the guy's name, but he was like a forward, and he would have done very well now that Ariza's out. He was a forward that almost was begging the Lakers to sign him. But they ended up signing DeAndre Jordan for that 15th spot instead, right? I feel like DeAndre Jordan just should not get playing time, especially when you have Dwight Howard. Dwight Howard played well on Tuesday against the Kings. And then Dwight Howard still has those defensive intangibles. He's not the same Dwight Howard from Orlando, but he still has those defensive intangibles. He still can affect the game. So with the Lakers, I believe that the Lakers have to find their identity. I think LeBron has to find the medium between, hey, I'm not trying to burn myself out, but I can still affect the game. And Russ, Russ has been playing well, don't get me wrong. And Russ and AD brought it home against the Kings on Tuesday. But my only thing is this, he's missing a lot of layups. He's missing a lot of easy layups that back in the day he would have killed. A lot of folks are noticing that about LeBron too because he's getting older. Russ is getting older too, and Russ has a lot of wear and tear on those legs because Russ has played with one speed and that crazy high motor. He's played like that his whole entire career. So now it's honestly starting to catch up to him. So I think that Russ has to really work on that jumper and adjust his game. And Anthony Davis, oh my gosh, last thing, and then we'll go, all right? Anthony Davis, please, brother, please, stop shooting jumpers like you're Kevin Durant, please. Get in the post, score in the post, get on the inside. When you, when you have De'Aaron Fox or Reggie Jackson on Friday <laughs> or whoever point guard is on you, go into the post, like do, like do a spin move into the post and get him. Even do even back him down and do a turnaround jump shot. Don't just settle for a straight up jump shot that you've not been hitting. He he, he said about his three pointers. He ain't been making three pointers, but he said I'm gonna keep shooting them till they go in. Don't do that. Don't do that. We, we, we don't need that from you, sir. You're not Kevin Durant. You are Anthony Davis. Get in there and show why you're a top seventy five player and Dwight Howard isn't. Prove all the folks that said well, Anthony Davis shouldn't have been on the list. 
I was one of the folks that said that I love Anthony Davis, but I don't believe that he should have been on the NBA top 75. I believe that should have gone to either Clay Thompson or Dwight Howard based on the resume of Dwight Howard and what Clay Thompson has done. But if you're shying away from going in the post, we have point guards and shooting guards on you. And then you don't know how to pass out the double team. And then they send another man towards you. You literally freeze up and throw the ball away. And then like throw it to a, to a player in an awkward position. Now you're fussing. Now you're forcing Russ to take a jump shot or try to make something happen. We're not going to win the championship that way. So I really want Anthony Davis to get it together. And I want him to play like a big man. Reggie Miller talked to James Harden and told James Harden, reminded him, James Harden, bro, you're James Harden. You can score. And after that Reggie Miller conversation on Tuesday, he talked about it on TNT, James Harden scored 34 points. Maybe Shaq or Kevin Garnett or Hakeem Olajuwon, maybe they should talk to Anthony Davis and then we'll have a good result. I don't know, but Anthony Davis needs to look to dominate don't try to be some fancy point guard. Stop trying to shoot those jumpers and get in the paint and destroy the defense. You are a unicorn at this point. They can't stop you. And then when they try to build that wall, that Giannis type of wall, or they try to, to shy you away from being in the paint, that's when the jumper starts to open up. I'm just saying. I'm, I'm not a coach, but I, I think at this point I might be a little bit better at coaching than Frank Vogel. I, I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> All right, so I did a reunion episode with my co-host, Ariel Kilgore. Shout out to Ariel. She's holding it down on the NFL side for me because, you know, as I said at the top, not the biggest fan of football. Uh, but we actually did a reunion episode, and we did one of our favorite segments, which is us predicting what's going to be happening in these next few games. So Ariel threw... Some games at me. We picked the marquee games of the next few days. And we talked about who we think is going to win. So check out my predictions and take it to the bank. But outside of that, make sure to follow me at Arthur Randall B on all social media platforms. And also Pulse Radio 100 on TikTok, on Instagram, on Twitter, and just Pulse Radio on YouTube. But outside of that, I will see you on the other side. And I'm excited for a lot of great basketball these next few days. On Wednesdays, you got the Hawks versus the Pacers. Who you got? Okay, so the Hawks and the Pacers is going to be a very interesting matchup. I think that um, the Pacers really want to get some wins. The Hawks have injuries with DeAndre Hunter. And also, Cam, Cam Reddish had an injury. And then Bogdan Bogdanovich is injured. So that's a lot of their offense and their best defensive player. But I think Trey has to step it up as a star. So I think that the Hawks will get that one. But if the Pacers won, I wouldn't be surprised. Okay, what about the Timberwolves and the Nuggets? That's going to be a very sneaky good game. Yo, prayers up to Michael Porter Jr. He's yeah. going to be out for the year. And I believe P.J. Dozier as well with, with the back. So the Nuggets have really been going through it. Jokic is, is MVP, but they're losing a lot of offensive weapons. Then Austin Reeves in health and safety protocols. So I believe that the Timberwolves have been streaking. That boy from Georgia, Anthony Edwards, wants to put on the show. So I believe the Timberwolves might have this one. Then you go to Thursday, you got the Bulls versus the Knicks. Who you got? The Bulls are going to win that game. Vucevic is back, and they're an example of a team that's playing together, and they complement each other so well. Lonzo being a pure point, Zach Levine being a superstar shooting guard, DeMar DeRozan being that wing that can space the floor and get his own shot. Then you have Vucevic that can stretch out from three. You have Caruso and Derrick Jones come off the bench. Come on, the Bulls got that. 
I'll give you that. I'll give you that. And then you got the remaining check, the Bucks versus the Raptors. What you looking at? The Bucks gonna win this game. The reason why I really wanted to spotlight this game is because the Raptors still have a really good team. I think they do make the playoffs, but the Bucks have been on a win streak. And I'm interested to see if DeMarcus Cousins plays this game. But I think the Bucks win in a blowout. Okay, Friday night, we got a lot of games here. Heat versus the Pacers. The Pacers, I'm telling you, the Pacers play everyone tough. And Bam Adebayo, people are getting injured, are you? Spreads up to Bam Adebayo. He um, broke, he, he, I think he tore a ligament in his finger, just re was reported on, on NBA Today. He's going to be out for, I think, four to six weeks, going into January. So prayers up to him. Is Jimmy Butler going to be back? That's a great question. But I think that the Heat could win, but the Pacers could steal it. I think the Heat. Hmm. Cavalier, Cavaliers versus the Wizards. I think that the Cavaliers will play the Wizards tough. I think hmm. the Wizards ultimately win, but don't sleep on the Cavaliers. They've been playing really well. All right, we got a 2021 playoffs rematch from the second round. The Hawks versus the 76ers. <laughs> How is this going to go? Oh, man, it's hard because I saw that first game that they had earlier this year. Um, my, my, my head is telling me the 76ers. My heart really starting to fall in love with this team. It's telling me the Hawks. Um... I think the 76ers don't, don't, go with, don't go with your heart. Don't I think, go with I think your heart. You see, I go with my heart, and I get disappointed. Oh, yeah, every, 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 with the Falcons. So I think that the 76ers are going to win this one for sure. Uh, I believe that when them winning, that it's going to really be Joel Embiid. He's, he's not going to accept the loss against the Hawks because of what happened in the playoffs. All right, now you got the Timberwolves versus the Nets. Um... Depends on what James Harden does. I think that the Timberwolves can come in and win because I think they're feeling confident. And I think that Anthony Edwards is not going to is not gonna take the opportunity away from himself to put on the show. So I think Timberwolves got that one. All right, then Celtics versus the Jazz. Another sneaky good game. I think the Jazz have the more complete team. The Celtics have to figure out how to play with two superstar players. So I think that the Jazz win, but I feel like if Jason Tatum and Donovan Mitchell are going to go at it. All right, we got another one. The Suns versus the Warriors. Who are you thinking? So the Suns won on Tuesday. I believe that the Warriors might win. I think Steph is upset because he lost that one. He only shot three three-pointers. They put him on ice. And then Devin Booker's not playing because they're going to sit him out a few games because of his hamstring. So I think the Warriors, they'll snap that streak. All right, and last on Friday, you got the Clippers versus the Lakers. <laughs> oh my God! Oh my God! I, 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 I it, it's hard to pick that game because the Clippers lost to the Pelicans, but the Lakers have been the Lakers. Um, <laughs> I think this might go down to like a couple of possessions. Um, I think that the Lakers will win because there's no such thing thing as home court for the Clippers. No matter where you are in LA, it's going to be a Lakers town. So I think the Lakers are going to show out. I think that they're going to rally behind the fact that LeBron is out. And I believe that they're going to bring the win home. I don't know. You might have a Ravens and Browns game. Turnover after turnover. You never know. <laughs> go ahead and move. Oh, you Saturday. got the shot in. You got the shot in. Shots fired. Oh, my God. You got the shots in. Okay. You got the shots in. I got you. Are we, uh, Saturday, Nuggets versus the Knicks, who you got? That's going to be another good one, too. I think the Knicks can can win this one. Jokic is all alone, almost like LeBron back in the day. I think the Knicks can win this one, but it'll be close. But it depends on how, how, how you know, um, how, how, how Jokic, 
you know, creates the offense for his team. I think that's really going to matter. All righty, Bulls versus the Nets. I'm so ready for that game. I'm so ready for the Nets to lose. The Bulls going to win this game going away. Like, the Nets cannot do anything with winning teams. Don't let this game against the Knicks fool you, and don't let them come back against the Suns fool you. They do not play well against good teams. It goes deeper than Kyrie Irving. I'm just saying. You you said that with your chest. You came kind of quick. Our yes. last game on Saturday, Heat versus the Bucks. Oh, but Giannis going to dunk all over them. Giannis going to score 50. And then Bam ain't there. Bam's not there. They they obliterated. Like, the like the Heat obliterated the Bucks to start the season right after they beat the Nets. So, I'm telling you, Giannis is going to play with his whole chest. He going to score 50. The Bucks are going to dunk them in the basket. Hmm. Our, our Sunday game, the only game, the Hawks versus the Hornets. What you think about? This is the only game that's worth talking about. It, it, it's other games, but I feel like the other games are just not going to be good and they're not worth discussing. So I think Hawks and the Hornets, you have LaMelo Ball that's been playing really well. Then you have, you have Trey Young. Like I said, people don't talk about him enough, so I want to add him into the rotation with Paul Sports. I believe there's going to be another really good game, and I believe this is the game where the Hawks get back in stride. They're going to they gonna fly, and they're going to fly way higher than the Falcons, okay? Yeah. <laughs> she had to think about it. She had to think about it. <laughs> it's just, it's, it's, I don't want to hear that. Don't even press that button. Because that wasn't even, that, you didn't even have to do me like that. Go ahead. Close the episode. We're done. We're done. We're done. We're done. 